Hello and welcome to today's episode of The Quad Shot, where we help you down and digest the day's most pertinent cancer news. It's October 5th, 2020. Welcome to The Quadcast. Let's dive in. First up, three times the weight. We've seen three trials, Radicals RT, RAVES, and JATUG AFU-17 comparing adjuvant and salvage radiation for prostate cancer. The challenge is that each trial focused on different primary outcomes, freedom from metastasis for Radicals RT, biochemical progression for RAVES, and event-free survival for JATUG-17. The artistic collaboration is a planned series of systematic reviews and meta-analyses of these three trials, including their 2,153 patients. The goal is to synthesize outcomes as they are published. In this first series, artistic analyzes a primary outcome of event-free survival. Future series will analyze metastasis-free survival, prostate cancer-specific survival, and overall survival. They harmonize the definition of event-free survival among the trials, defined as a PSA greater than or equal to 0.4 after radiation, any PSA that's greater than or equal to 2.0, and clinical or radiographic progression, non-trial treatment, as well as death from prostate cancer. There's a great table in the manuscript Table 1, that compares eligibility, treatment, and criteria for early salvage therapy. Over 70% of all patients had at least one of the following, positive margins, extracapsular extension, or seminal vesicle invasion. At this analysis, 39% of men assigned to early salvage therapy had received radiation. There were 270 events in total and no evidence that an adjuvant radiation approach improved the rate of event-free survival, 89% with adjuvant radiation and 88% with just salvage radiation. These outcomes were also consistent across the three trials analyzed and across pertinent patient subgroups. The bottom line is, the results of three large randomized trials of adjuvant versus early salvage radiation do not demonstrate an improvement in prostate cancer event-free survival at five years. Thanks to Vail, Lancet, 2020. Up second, gut checkpoint. Immune checkpoint inhibitors have ousted chemotherapy completely in some disease sites, perhaps most notably in certain non-small cell lung cancers. The Phase 3 Keynote 62 trial, as published in JAMA Oncology 2020 by Shatara et al., looked to establish the same with pembrolizumab for advanced gastroesophageal cancers by randomizing 763 patients in a one-to-one-to-one fashion to either ARM1, which was pembrolizumab, ARM2, which was pembro plus chemo, which in this instance was cisplatin, 5-FU, or capecitabine, or ARM3, which was chemo alone. A key to understanding the results is understanding the PDL1 combined positive score, also known as CPS, 
This is the number of cells, both tumor and immune, staying positive for PDL1 divided by the total number of viable tumor cells multiplied by 100. There were multiple primary endpoints, including establishing non-inferiority of the Pimbro monotherapy arm and superiority of the Pimbro plus chemo arm relative to chemo alone. With regard to overall survival, in patients who have a CPS greater than or equal to 1 or a CPS greater than or equal to 10. In the end, Pimbro monotherapy indeed achieved non-inferior overall survival in patients with a CPS greater than or equal to 1, 11 months with either Pimbro or chemo, as well as with a CPS greater than or equal to 10, 17 months with Pimbro and 11 months with chemo. Pimbro plus chemo did not prove superiority for overall survival with CPS greater than or equal to 1, 13 versus 11 months, nor with the CPS greater than or equal to 10, 12 versus 11 months. Most notably, rates of grade 3 to 5 toxicity were approximately 70% with chemo versus 17% without. The bottom line is, Pembrolizumab monotherapy for advanced gastroesophageal cancers appears to achieve survival outcomes non-inferior to those with traditional chemo, especially among those with greater PDL1 staining with substantially less toxicity. Up next, bulking down. Do patients with advanced Hodgkin lymphoma benefit from consolidative radiation if they have a negative interim PET. Patients with initially large nodal masses from Hodgkin's lymphoma will likely have a measurable lesion after treatment regardless of their extended response. The challenge is that not all residual masses harbor residual disease. The HD0607 trial, as published in JCO 2020 by Gallimini et al., included nearly 800 patients with advanced Hodgkin's lymphoma, stage 2b to 4b, and looked at different treatment strategies based on PET-CT after two cycles of ABVD. One of the study questions was whether patients with large nodal masses, 5 plus centimeters, but a negative PET after two cycles of ABVD benefited from radiation to the site of bulky disease. Overall, 80% of patients had a negative PET and received a total of six cycles of ABVD. Nearly 300 of those presented with a large nodal mass. Importantly, negative PET was defined as a Deauville score of 1 to 3. These patients were randomized to receive no further treatment or 30 gray of radiation. An important side note here is that there was no formal statistical design to define superiority of the radiation arm. Nevertheless, at six years, there was no significant difference in the rate of progression-free survival with or without radiation. Likewise, there were no major differences in disease-free or overall survival. Subsets of patients with measurable residual masses, classical bulky disease, and Deauville 3 disease had interesting numerical differences, but there were still no significant differences in outcome. Due to the limited number of events, it's hard to draw strong conclusions about patterns of failure with or without radiation.
The bottom line is, in patients with advanced Hodgkin lymphoma and a large nodal mass, a Dobil score of 1 to 3 on PET after two cycles of ABVD is prognostic of favorable treatment outcomes and little to no additional benefit from consolidated radiation if the patient goes on to receive six total cycles of ABVD. Up next, one is the loneliest number. Earlier this year, a randomized phase two trial showed that single fraction HDR monotherapy, 19 gray times one, had a significantly higher rate of local failure at 29% as compared to just 3% in five years when compared to 13.5 gray times two for men with low and intermediate risk prostate cancer. This outcome left many scratching their heads and leads one to wonder if dose escalation to the dominant intraprostatic lesion could improve outcomes. This study compares the outcomes of two different trials. One that gave 19 times one to the whole prostate and another that also gave an MRI guided boost of 23 gray to the dominant intraprostatic lesion. Even though toxicity remained low, with the dose escalated boost, biochemical failure at five years was still greater than 30%. The bottom line is, dose escalation with a focal boost up to 23 gray does not improve the disappointingly high rate of biochemical failure with single fraction HDR monotherapy. Thanks to Alaid, Green Journal, 2020. Up next, Escalated Thinking. This editorial, as highlighted in the newsletter from JCO 2020 by Kohlmeyer, makes the observation that high-level data supporting the use of ADT for all intermediate and high-risk prostate cancer fails to hold true for intermediate-risk disease when dose escalation is employed. Finally, what to expect when you're expecting? Well, an increased risk of preeclampsia if you test positive for COVID-19, according to this large Swedish prospective observational study published in JAMA 2020 by Alberg et al. This concludes today's episode of The Quad Shot. If you like what you've heard, please consider giving us a five-star rating and subscribing to our podcast. Also, check out our website at www.quadshotnews.com and subscribe to our newsletter. We'll catch you next time.